Hello, and welcome to Vocal Majority Podcast Number 4, Take a Cup of Kindness. I'm Nick Alexander, MC and voice of the Vocal Majority, and this is the fourth in a series of podcasts. In our first two podcasts, Vocal Majority Musical Director Greg Clancy shared Christmas memories. In our third podcast, entitled Secret of Christmas, I interviewed Jim Clancy, our Executive Musical Director. And today, as we approach the new year, our fourth podcast is entitled Take a Cup of Kindness. I continue my interview with Jim Clancy, and we pick it up as he shares his thoughts on passing the baton to his son Greg, his musical family, and his muse. Let's rejoin the conversation. As a proud papa, obviously you're sort of stepping back a little bit and letting Greg take more of the, the directing duties and so forth. How do you feel about that? Do you have any kind of, do you miss being You know, for the, last, for the last probably, probably close to 20 years, I've, every time Greg and I would get together for lunch or something like that, I've always asked, buddy, you tell me when, when you're ready to take this baby over, you know, and I can step back and uh, do your thing. And he would just say, well, you know, I'm happy in my role. I think, I think things are going fine. Well, this particular time we met, and I asked again, I said, aren't you about ready to take the, take the reins? And I think the way he put it is, yeah, I'm ready to put my stamp on it. You know, that's, that, those were his words. And, and I has. said, well, I tell you what, buddy, I'm, I'm backing you all the way, and anything you need from me or don't need, I'm, I'm game, I'm ready, and I uh, can't wait to see you work. Well, it's wonderful having both of you, but Greg, I think, has definitely put his stamp on it. and I, I would say yes. And we're moving forward, so that's yeah. terrific. Jim, you talked about being seven years old and spending Christmas in a hospital, which was certainly no fun. But what about later growing up? What were your experiences like with your family? Was there music in the family? There always was, Nick. There was always music. I loved all the Christmas music. I still do, for that matter. But the choirs in our church under the direction, by the way, of my mother, Martha Moore Clancy, presented a Christmas program every year that featured all seven of her choirs. Uh, all told, that was about 650 members, wow. from the children's choir in these beautiful little robes to the adults. I mean, it was absolutely magnificent. Some of the songs we sang back then had probably influenced my arranging even today. Jim, you've talked about your family, and especially Greg, and the unconditional love that you have known through your life with your mom and your dad and so forth. But do you have a muse, somebody who inspires you when you sit down, for example, to arrange a song? Well, of course I do. Of course, as I said, I grew up in a musical family. And then when Greg and Dave were young, uh, we always did a lot of singing. Music was so important in our lives. But uh, after I met Judy, I think from that point on, she has been just my sole inspiration for music. Uh, she and I think a lot alike. She loves the same kind of music that I love. She loves the chorus as much as I do, and uh, is always and it inspires me to write arrangements. Uh, I remember a couple of instances when, well, when her mother passed away. I think I she was up in Minnesota, and I was down here with KC. And uh, when her mother died, and she called, and we were talking about it, I decided then I wanted to do I'll Be Seeing You. Mm -hmm. And if you recall on that arrangement, it says up at the top that it's dedicated to Judy's mother, Ruth.
And I think also later on, her dad became very ill and he was in the hospital, not expected to live. Once again, Judy was in Minnesota. We were down here. And um, I decided I wanted to do a couple of songs that uh, her father had sung. He had a wonderful baritone voice. I think John Gary was his hero and he tried to sound like him and pretty much succeeded. He had a wonderful voice. But there were two songs that Judy would play the piano and, uh, and he would sing. Uh, one was he, and one was I believe. So I decided to do those two as a medley, if you recall. I do. That was a he, beautiful I believe medley. It turned out to be probably one of my better ones. I think just as I was finishing that tag, just by coincidence, Judy called, said her father had passed away. So it uh, oh. was kind of meant to be, I think. Oh, mm -hmm. 
We continue now as Greg joins Jim to talk about this past decade, the past year, pursuit of gold medals, and also the future of the vocal majority. So right now it's a couple days before Christmas. We finished our Christmas shows with the vocal majority and now we're taking a little break and looking forward to the 20s, the 2020s. And uh, we're excited about uh, where this chorus is headed, where it's been, but I'm just here to, to visit with my dad, Jim Clancy, our executive musical director, and uh, maybe reflect a little bit and look forward a little bit um, as we head into the new year and the new decade. Welcome to TM. Thanks, Betty. I tell you what, it's a lot of happy memories here. I've sung a few thousand low notes in this studio. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Over, I mean, we've been here 25 years wow. in this building, and TM's been around for about 52, I remember, you know, I was 12 and would go watch sessions yeah. on Re at Regal Row and past Tom Merriman in the hall and just, you know, even then be full of reverence for him. But yeah, it's been uh, a lot of low notes in the studio. You know, people, clients would come to town and they would always say, you know, make sure that Clancy's on my session. And they were not talking <laughs> about me. They were talking about you because oh, they wanted the, the low notes. It was a lot uh, of fun. Yeah, a lot of you know people ask, don't you get bored just singing call letters all the time? But I never did, man. I just uh, a lot of it was getting to you know work, sing with my son <laughs> almost every day. I mean, how, how cool can it get? Yeah. And not, not only with the VM, but you know, in, in, in the studios yeah. and all of that. So yeah, I, chords, I loved every bit of it. I really making did. Chords together, that's for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I think back and some of those weeks where we would have 10 sessions or 12 sessions and just be singing all the time. It was crazy, but it uh, was a lot of fun. Um, so turning to vocal majority, like you said, we've shared that together for a long time and uh, it's been quite a decade. I was thinking back um, starting in 2010, which seems like about a year ago, <clears throat> but just crazy. Um, that was your stated last contest, international contest, to direct yep. in Philadelphia. It sure was, Greg. I, I have a fond memory of that. It, uh, wow, it was just very special to me, knowing it would be my last one, but there was nothing said about it to me. And, you know, the people out there, our people and our barbershop family, so I felt I uh, had a special feeling going into that. And, you know, we, we cracked the 97 barrier for the first time. In that contest, I think we scored 97.1 average. First time we'd ever been over 97 points. And it got us a silver medal. <laughs> <laughs> it did. And Westminster was awesome that year. They were. But, um, and won the contest. And, uh, you know, I think uh, I had actually been gone. Um, I'd, I'd left the chorus in the middle of 2008. I took a sabbatical, came back. And I think the idea was to kind of hand things over to me. And honestly, I just wasn't ready. I was going through some things with the family and just going through some things with career. And there was just a lot weighing on me at that time. So I just, you know, um, I told Anthony in an earlier podcast um, that at that time, you know, you can't, you can't get up in front of those guys and, and not be truthful, you know, not be honest. Yeah. And after just being a few weeks back, you know, I just, I knew I needed some more time. So I left, actually left the chorus in, at the beginning of 2009 for a few years and took a, took a rest. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, kind of regained my appreciation. And, you know, I'm grateful to our friend Jeff for stepping in and, and filling, uh, filling shoes and kind of taking uh, a lot of responsibility at that hey, time to make sure the course did. great. You sure he, did. He you did. Did, a, did a great job. Yeah. So then I uh, – but I came back for your run. I came back – Yep. In, in 2010 for a few months because I wanted to be there for your last contest. Absolutely. Saying if I ruled the world, um, how did it feel to you in that, that year in that contest? I think, uh, boy, that I ruled the world might have been, if it wasn't my favorite all-time performance of a ballad, <laughs> it's got to be close. It just was wonderful. The people responded uh, just like you hope they will. And uh, it was it was. It was very, very special. Yeah, it was. Absolutely. Um, and then the chorus decided at that point to, to take a little time off. We'd competed two years in a row and yep. nine and ten. Took some time to make a few recordings and let the chorus kind of breathe and regroup. I think we had been on for 30 years or more on this cycle of, you know, compete and win and swan song, you know, bow out year and then a year off and compete two years in a row and not win, which was, you know, frankly, it was, it was um, not the norm for the chorus, but, you know, for the chorus to kind of adjust and reevaluate, figure out what we want to do, what we want to be. Because um, I think, I feel like, and, and tell me if you agree with this, that the last two or three gold medals prior to that, and I'm just curious as to your take, because sure. I know for me, um, it, it was always really fun to win, but I think for me it became more when they would announce the winner. If it was if it was us, it was there was more of a relief than an exhilaration. It was like whew, you know <laughs> because you, I think we felt more and more responsibility as time went on to keep winning and yeah. keep the streak yeah. alive. Yeah, and uh, so maybe I don't know how did you feel the like the last two or three? Did you ever get that sense, or were they all? Just great moments for you. Somehow, each one was very special on its own, and I think they all were to me. Um, and I think after that, you know, that that thirty-year run when we won that ten in a row, I think a lot of people got the idea that uh, the vocal majority is just supposed to win. I mean, you know, take <laughs> almost take it for granted, but we never did. True. And what I tell. The guys that, you know, when they, th they think victory is just automatic, is that, boy, you had not been around long because courses keep getting better and better, Greg. And as you know, the competition gets stiffer and stiffer, and that's wonderful mm -hmm. because that means the whole level, you know, of music in the society is just getting higher and higher. That's the way it ought to be, don't yeah. you think? Yeah, I do. You know, and the other thing I think that's I've realized as I've gotten older is <laughs> kind of back in the day, I think things were more competitive. Um, winning was more important. Um, that was a real important gauge, you know, to who we were um, was winning. But now, you know, I just I just see this the society. It's more of it's the society as a whole and the core. You know, the barbershop choral world helping each other and learning from each other. You know, I've learn so much from you and, you know, kind of the Jim Clancy school, um, but learning from other people outside of our organization and sharing what we do with other people. It becomes more of a mission to, 
to assist each other and grow together. And I think that's, you know, music is the ultimate collaborative thing in the world. I do too, Greg. I think somewhere along the line through the years, uh, as you know, something you talk about an awful lot is the fact that we really all of a sudden discovered that we had a mission to fulfill. And I know, Greg, you talk about that so much, and I love it that you do. You know, like uh, more important than any of the gold medals is the fact that uh, I'll let you talk about it because I've heard you did a lot <laughs> well, with the brightening of the lives of people, man. We, uh, I think, you know, we, if you look back at the calendar, we ended up deciding to compete again uh, in the fall of 2013, and then we won in 2014. Yeah. And I think that was a really good feeling for the guys that had been around for a while. We had some guys that had been around that had joined the chorus back in 07. You know, they had never, you know, they had heard about the heritage of winning, but they had gone up to seven years, you know, without, without winning a gold medal. Yeah. So I think yeah. it felt really good. Um, that was your first goal, man, as a director. Yeah. I was sitting out there. I don't think I have never been, and Judy will tell you this, I've never been quite as nervous, you know, <laughs> and, and anticipating as I was when I was up on the stage. Because I'm just sitting out there watching you and trying to make all the things that are going through your mind and your heart. And uh, it was just so exciting for me. You know, I think I was, oh, man, it was just a wonderful, wonderful, unique experience for me to watch you for the first time on that contest stage and try to imagine what you were feeling and what was going through your mind. It was just spectacular for me. Well, it's kind of like being on the back of a motorcycle. You know, you have no control, but you suffer all of the consequences <laughs> if anything goes wrong, right? I like that. You know, it's just you don't have hold of the handlebars. Uh, so yeah. I get that. But so we, d- we did win. We finished, uh, came back in 17 and finished in a close one with the Masters of Harmony. Yeah. I think that was a real learning exercise and experience for me. Um, no excuses. They were great. But I think, <clears throat> and for me, I was still in my mind as the leader trying to chase what I felt like the judges wanted to hear and see and feel. And I think what they taught us what we learned or what I learned from that especially was like, look, don't worry about what we want to see, hear, or feel. You know, worry about what you what you want to make and what you want to present and what you want to, you know, the experience you want to share. Yeah. So that was my goal in 2018 and uh, was just to really, you know, work really hard but be what be who we are, not be what we think they want us to be. You know, what is the VM at its core? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we found the right music to do that and way to express ourselves. And the guys were as authentic and open as they've ever been. You know, we got a we got a hundred in singing that, uh, from one of the judges, our first singing hundred. And what I told the guys later is I said, you know, I think if you ever watch the video – you know, that it, you probably wouldn't score at 100, but it's not about what's captured on the video. It's about the feeling in the room that you create in that moment. You know, music is so organic and present and in that moment. And, you know, we tried to create a feeling in that in that moment. And I think we did. I think, I think we learned a lot from that, you know. Absolutely. But yeah. you're right. You know, the, the thing about this decade, I think more than anything, obviously the Internet's been around for a long time, but... You know, now in this whole decade, people are carrying the Internet around in their pocket on their phone, right? (laughs) And they can access you anytime. And so I think it's with social media, 
um, and platforms to expose other people to our music, it really has helped define the mission, not as a you know, barbershop chorus, which we're certainly proud of, or champion chorus, but as a chorus that is wants to influence people's lives and touch people's lives. And I know that's been... Absolutely. You know, I think I've overexpressed in the past that, you know, the old days the chorus was about winning and now the chorus is about touching lives. And I don't think it's been that way at all. But I think we have the ability now to touch people's lives. And I know it's as important, just as important to you. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it kind of evolved. You know, I think all of a sudden we realized that, gee, when we got uh, another thing you talk about is hearing from people and how they're affected by our music. We're thinking, wow, we, how fortunate, what a blessing that we are empowered to do that, to really make a difference in people's lives. And uh, I think about that first and foremost now. I know you do, Greg, and you've kind of instilled that in the guys because I believe they all feel that way. Yeah, I, I do. I just think that's, that's what it's all about. And I think you have to be really, really good. You have to have a really great uh, ability. If you're not good, people aren't going to be as apt to listen to your message that's on top of it. But, you know, I feel like that that the good singing or the evolution of singing that, that we've tried to accomplish is secondary to, you know, what, what's in front of that is the emotional delivery and um, if the guys are passionate about something and they express that passion, people will latch onto it. And I think that it's about if we can share stories that, about ourselves, but not in a way that's about us, it's about peop- other people, then they, it evokes those things from them. Mm-hmm. You know, they, it makes them think about their lives and their experiences and right. opens those things up and they relate to it, you know, at a, mm-hmm. a very high level. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think the chorus creates auras and spends energy. And, you know, I used to not believe that. I used to think, well, it's notes and chords and this is all cliche stuff. It's, it's been interesting to see over the years, you know, how it's impacted people's lives. Of course, you've been doing some directing since you were my good, back in your 20s, Greg. You know, you could have, you could have taken over the directorship, what, 25 years ago, probably? And uh, hit on all cylinders, but uh, but to you, whiz, it's just watch you still grow in that role and just uh, what you do and how the guys, the chemistry between you and the men, you know, that it has developed. It's just a beautiful thing to watch, man. Well, I don't think I was ready, honestly, until it happened. I think it happened. I think like you this. were ready. You just didn't know it. <laughs> oh, maybe, so. <laughs> maybe so. I may have to continue to learn, but, you know, I think being, being around Max Q. Um, with Tony and Gary and Jeff yeah. was uh, some really great training ground and learning for me musically and, and kind of in what singing's all about, kind of our, our journey and what we discovered and just all of life experience, you know, just contributes to, to what's gone on with the chorus. But yeah. So now we look ahead yeah. to the 2020s. How about that? It's just, I can't believe it. It's just, I mean, it was just 2000, right? Oh, Y2K. Boy. And now here we are 20 years later. Yep. But I think, I think um, I'm excited about um, experimenting musically, um, doing things we've never done before, um, continuing to, to put great music into the universe. You know, at one point I was, my thoughts were like, well, 
we need to be doing more contemporary music to, you know, connect with younger audiences. And, you know, David Wright's contention has always been great music is great music. Doesn't matter if, you know, it could be six months old or 60 years old. Doesn't matter. Great music is great music. Um, but looking forward to new Jim Clancy arrangements. Um, but more than anything, I think I'm looking forward to sharing the vocal majority experience with more people and different people. Beautiful. Absolutely. You know, just with the social media reach and one of my goals is for the chorus to travel um, and do you know some fun things internationally. But um, we've got this kind of adjacent genre project going where we're reaching um, different audiences by connecting with musicians and genres that aren't barbershop. But, you know, Voctive is a great example doing that project and, and doing more and more of these projects with different styles of music. And, um, you know, Jacob Collier is a... Uh, great influence on me right now. And oh, good. He, yeah. Exploring some of the things he's exploring <laughs> musically that have never been broached before and with joy and passion, and which is what music and you know, connection is all about. Could it be a very interesting decade, Greg? I mean, things will happen now we just have no, no idea about right now. You know, that, uh, it's always been that way. Anything, you know, nothing you could imagine, you know, it just... Uh, Wonderful thing. I can't wait to see what happens, what this either. decade is like as it goes on. And I hope, I hope I'm around for a lot oh, of Oh, you will be. You will be. you got a lot of music left to write mm -hmm. in you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my job right now is to be working on, you know, the next generation who, you know, of yeah. leadership with the chorus and yeah. starting to touch on that and knowing that it's a process and takes time. But finding people with the right spirit, um, first and foremost— um, but, but finding this, because we want this legacy to continue in the twenties and thirties and forties. And because no matter what happens, music will always be important and maybe more important in people's lives as technology and, and science and algorithms and all of those things drive the world. I think music becomes more crucial. Mm -hmm. I, I think so. Yeah. So um, we're we're going to be uh, having a New Year's Eve party at my house with, the, with the chorus, yeah, um, which is going to be a lot of fun. It's celebrate a great, exciting year that um, was highlighted by you know singing with the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square um, on one of their music in the spoken word broadcast to twenty something million people, um, and having that grand experience with that conference center organ playing behind us and <laughs> oh, it was such a thrill, thrill. Um, yeah. but it's just been a great year a great decade and i know i feel um, i'm blessed to share this experience with all of these fantastic men with you experience with my dad and uh, all the people that we get to to meet through this and i don't know what my life would look like without this chorus it would be Boy. significantly different and not nearly as rich i can't imagine either greg everything would have been different Really would. Yeah. So, Happy New Year to all of you people that might be listening. We wish you a blessed holiday season. For us, it's still before Christmas, uh, but this may not come out until New Year. So, Happy New Year. Happy New Decade. Um, just keep keep uh, listening. We'll share more stories with you. And uh, thank you so much for supporting this great chorus. Look, look forward to talking to you again and uh, hope you have a the most wonderful year ever. Uh, we, we look forward to to hearing from you and seeing you and just uh, having you be a, a part of our family. Awesome. All right. Thank you, guys. Take care. 
Happy New Year. Thank you for spending this time with the vocal majority. We hope you've enjoyed our stories and found some comfort in our music. We'll be back in the new year and new decade with more storytelling and a few surprises too. As we say goodbye for now, we leave you with this encouraging thought from poet Alfred Tennyson. Hope smiles from the threshold of the year to come, whispering, it will be happier.